Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are unstoppable. The schemes of the Pharisees, the cross of the Romans, the, the tomb of death could not stop you. You defeated sin and your love prevailed. Through your sacrifice, you started your kingdom and opened your gates of forgiveness so that we could enter in. In your word, you tell us that when we approach you in faith and in prayer, nothing is impossible. Today, we ask for your spirit to help us grow that kind of faith. Give us a spirit of unity and more and more trust in you. Allow us to maybe not look at things critically, but give us a lens of mercy and grace to look at others. Jesus, I ask that the words that we say bring honor to you and quicken our hearts to pursue you even more. Amen. Well, welcome, MVF family. I'm glad that you've joined us today. It's our our second week of our series called Political Filter. And the goal of this series is to recognize that our relationship with Christ is more important than our opinions, our political affiliation, or even our fears. After all, no party fully represents Christ, and we need to remember that we don't worship a president. We worship the King of Kings. And the filter we choose to look through colors all the aspects of our lives. Last week, Pastor Don started this out, and he encouraged us to memorize James 1, 19 to 20. And so let's say it out loud together. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And last week, Pastor Don talked about the anger piece, and today I'm going to be talking about the listening piece. My name's Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here at MBF. Uh, My title is Growth Pastor, and that just means I'm I'm supposed to look at how all of us can grow in our faith and our walk with Jesus. Now, I'm going to let those of you who are watching online or through the live stream or even in our noble room, which we're using for overflow, I'm going to let you in on something that the people here in the auditorium have figured out this morning. You see, I'm actually not here. (laughs) This is a pre-recorded message. For the last seven months, our MVF family has done pretty well in in terms of maybe the, the buffer between us and the metro area and We haven't had very many cases or any cases of of COVID. But this past week, we've had several people in our extended MVF family who have been diagnosed with it or have gotten a positive test, including a couple people on staff. And so because of the people I've been hanging out with, I figured it would probably be best for me not to be in the building and maybe passing it along. I don't have any symptoms or anything, but I just just thought it'd be good to be cautious. And and I wanted to exercise kind of a, a way of caring for all of you. So it's, you know, maybe par for COVID that this message in the building is actually pre-recorded. This year has been marked by quite a mood of division, hasn't it? Everything seems polarized. Democrats versus Republicans, Trump versus Biden, 
COVID, is it real or is it a hoax? Do you wear a mask or not? Everything seems to be a constant digital decision and declaration between two choices of where you stand. Never seems to be a third option given. And civility, grace, and actual tolerance seems to be gone. Of course, the news and social media doesn't help. You see, media lives on FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That's the constant message. News anymore is never about the facts of what happens, but it's always FUD. It's always a slant or an editorial. The media is constant Monday morning quarterbacking. You know, this shouldn't have happened or this should have happened. Shapes our response to the world, and we find ourselves demanding a pain-free, problem-free life. Does any of this ring true for you? Perhaps you've inadvertently put on a major component of the political or social filter, and that's criticism or cynicism. Cynicism increasingly is the dominant spirit, the dominant filter of our age. Think about the messages that we're told, you know, how, how they're told and maybe how we repeat them to others. Something like, you can't believe what that other guy is saying. I mean, he, he only distorts the truth. Or maybe something like the government or my boss or even my spouse have no idea what they're doing. Maybe it goes like this. There's so much conflicting information, none of it can be true. I mean, after all, the experts don't even agree. Basically, that message is that everyone else is an idiot. Cynicism makes us question everything. It's not an original tactic. Our enemy in the garden used it. In Genesis 3, verses 1 to 6, Satan basically got Adam and Eve in this discussion of finding out what God really said. And he, he said, did God really say that you couldn't eat from any truth? any tree in the garden? And of course, Adam and Eve say, no, no, we just can't eat from this one, and if we do, we'll die. And he says, you're not going to die. That's not true. And through that, sin and cynicism entered in. Cynicism ruins our joy and our hope. Do you wonder if I'm right? <laughs> Are you being a little cynical about what I'm saying? Or even sarcastic? Let me ask a question to do kind of a quick spiritual check. That question is, how's your prayer life these days? Let me ask it differently. Uh, which do you spend more time on? Watching and reading the news? Repeating the negative and worst case scenario? Or time praying and reading God's word? And, and by the way, just so you know, as I've been prepping for the sermon, the spirit has been in work in my heart. And I've realized how much of this cynical attitude I've taken on, how it's affected how I view things. And so the sermon is as much for me as it is for anybody else. So again, I ask, how's your prayer life? Many Christians stand at the edge of cynicism, struggling with a defeated weariness. Cynicism is so pervasive that at times it feels like a presence. And truthfully, it is. Behind the spirit of the age is an unseen personal evil presence of spirit. If Satan can't stop you from praying, then he will try to rob the fruit of praying by dulling your soul. Satan cannot create, but he can corrupt. And the game plan I think he's using is to convert all of us to be cynics. 
The cynic is always observing and critiquing, but is never engaged, is seldom loving, and is seldom hoping. Living with an attitude of cynicism actually destroys intimacy. It creates a creeping bitterness that can deaden and even destroy our spirit. Somehow, the dulled, partial truths we hear from the world often feel more real than the truths taught by Scripture. It is far easier to feel skepticism and nothing than to feel deep passion. And so cynicism takes root and feels more real than the truth. The game plan does seem to be working at the moment. Many of us believe in the Christian hope of the ultimate redemption But in the meantime, we breathe the cynical spirit of our age and completely miss the heart of God. I believe the recovery from a cynical heart is to develop a prayerful heart. Does bringing up the topic of prayer make you feel guilty? I mean, there is a difficulty with praying. And part of our problem is that it's the act of praying itself. I mean, if you're like me, sometimes it's tough. I, I sit down, I start to pray, and 15 seconds in, suddenly the to-do list comes to mind. And so I I stop myself, I realize it, and I try starting again in prayer. And a short time later, it happens again, and suddenly I'm thinking about something I watched on TV recently. I, I realize it again, I stop it, and soon I'm derailed. And eventually I just quit. Instead of praying, we end up doing a confusing mix of wandering and worrying. Then the guilt sits in. Something must be wrong with me. Other Christians don't seem to have this problem with praying. Truth is, there is something wrong with us. Praying exposes how self-preoccupied we are and it uncovers our doubts. However, Scripture tells us that prayer works. We have to pursue it. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, and produces wonderful results. Oddly, many of us struggle to pray because we're focusing on praying instead of focusing on God. It's like we're trying to drive, but we're looking at the windshield instead of through the windshield. We need to focus on God and less worry about, and worry a lot less about how we pray. In our short-term time remaining, this right now. I want to give you some opening steps of recovering from a cynical heart towards developing a prayerful heart. What you spend time on is where you place importance on. And where your heart lives is what you love and you follow. So to start with, a prayerful heart seeks intimacy. Prayer is far more than just requests and petitions. It's spending time with God in conversation. It's not about saying the right things at the right time, the right order, the right way. It's conversation. It can be messy. I like the example of many of the Psalms, that prayer is just sharing where our heart is at. Psalm 5, verses 1 to 3 says, O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groanings. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Bring your weariness 
to prayer. You know, Jesus doesn't say, come, all of you have figured out how to focus and to concentrate when you're praying, who minds no longer wander, and I'll give you rest. No, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. That's something we all have. Learning to pray doesn't offer us a less busy life. It offers us a less busy heart. Talk with God about your worries. Tell him where you are worried. When you're praying and your mind wanders, pray through that. Maybe it's showing you the things that you do need to bring to him. The other piece is that when we spend time before God, we also need to spend some time being quiet, not dominating the conversation. Psalm 37, 7 says to us, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Be still. Another part of our recovery is that a prayerful heart trusts God. You can't add God's kingdom as an overlay over your own kingdom. You have to surrender your agenda and your will to him. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says it this way, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. Keep in mind, God is not like a cosmic vending machine. Um, you know, we don't, we don't come with him with just whatever we want and push the button and get it. It's about that alignment, about seeking him, aligning to his kingdom and his will. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And then when you do pray, trust that Jesus has the power to answer that prayer. Mark 11.24 says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe, that's the faith piece, that you'll receive it, it'll be yours. Next part of our recovery is that a prayerful heart learns dependency. Are you familiar with the term childlike faith? It comes from several of the Gospels, including Mark 10, verses 14 to 15, when Jesus said, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. A childlike faith, a big part of that is dependency. Kids depend upon their parents. An example of this that we can follow, we can look at just a day in the life of Jesus' ministry. Um, if we look at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 31, um, I'm just going to summarize it, but it's possibly one of Jesus' first day in public ministry. He starts the morning teaching in a synagogue. And while he's there, suddenly a, a man that's possessed by a demon cries out, and Jesus releases him from the demon. After the service, they go to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is very sick. Jesus heals her, and she gets up and serves them. And then the rest of the afternoon, and at sunset, and into the evening, word spreads in the town, and people start to bring their sick and their demon-possessed, and Jesus heals them. Now, for the rest of us, you know, us humans, the next morning, we'd probably sleep in a bit, or maybe we'd get up and celebrate the great ministry that happened the day before. But Jesus, being fully dependent upon God, gets up before daybreak while it's still dark. 
he goes out and he finds an isolated place to be by himself. And he spends time in prayer with the Father. Jesus was completely dependent upon his relationship with the Father. He knew he needed that constant contact for him to do what he needed to do. And we need to follow that model, especially if we want to love others. Remember, the point of Christianity isn't to learn a lot of truths so we don't need God anymore. The point is for us to rely more and more on Jesus every day. A prayerful heart also prays constantly. You need to pray as part of your life, not just an isolated action for a couple minutes each day, but pray constantly. I, I think of like the, the Apostle Paul. He, I think he said it pretty clearly, didn't he? First Thessalonians 5 and 17, three words. Never stop praying. How do you do that? Is, is Paul basically telling us we're supposed to just go in a room 24-7 and close our eyes, fold our hands, and just pray? I mean, that'd be great if we could, but he's also saying it's the spirit of praying, of including God along the way wherever we are. I found a, a, a method that I use called breath prayers, an example of which can be found in Mark 10, 47. Jesus is walking beside the road, and there was this blind beggar man. His name is Bartimaeus. And while Jesus is walking by, Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In one breath, in one sentence, he prays. It's simple. It shows where his heart was. And that's something we can do, breath prayers. An example may be something like, Lord, protect me from being angry. Another breath might be, Jesus, be with her as she deals with cancer. Another one, God, help that aggressive driver find peace. Or one that I find myself saying a lot, Jesus, thank you for loving sinners like me. A prayerful heart also prioritizes others. Uh, Pastor Don talked about it last week, the great commandment. Um, we say it and summarize it as love God and love others. And we need to reflect this in our prayers. We need to love God, being in an intimate conversation with him, and love others by praying for them. Read the start of many of the Apostle Paul's letters in the New Testament, and you'll see his earnest, consistent prayer for others. Colossians 1.9, he said, So we have not stopping, stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Try to make a large portion of your prayers be focused on others. You see, when we stop looking at our own problems and lift up others instead, we move closer to God and further away from being a critic. Also know that a prayerful heart takes time. There are plenty of examples of when transformation happens in an instant. But a lot of times in, like my own life, and I think yours too, transformation often happens over time, with us taking steps in the direction of God, slowly maybe replacing part of our will and our agenda with pieces of God's. Eugene Peterson says it's a long obedience in the same direction. It takes consistency, making praying a consistent and constant part of your life. Schedule time if you need to. You know, start small. If you can't pray for like 20 minutes at a time, start where you can and add a few minutes to it each day. I know I've just scratched the surface of prayer in this short time. 
And I'd love to talk with you more about prayer and answer your questions. So please contact me, mike at mvfcolorado.com, and I'd be glad to talk through it. But for all of us, I want to just give us a few homework assignments to help us with this recovery from a cynical heart to a praying heart. To start with, keep memorizing James 1, 19 to 20. If that is hidden in our hearts, it's going to change the filter we're using because we'll be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. The second homework item is for you to start praying daily. Set aside some time to actually pray. And I'm, and I'm not talking about the prayer of, you know, God is good, God is great, thank you, Lord, pass the plate. I'm not talking about just at mealtimes. I'm talking about actually focusing on him and praying. And some of this might be also starting to pray constantly using breath prayers. Uh, we're going to be doing something starting tomorrow, Monday, through the rest of October and through the whole month of November of Um, If you want, you can join a text thread. Text the word FOCUS to the number on the screen there. And what you'll do is in the morning, you'll get a text from me. And it's just an example of a short breath prayer. Quite a few of them given it's November coming up will be about Thanksgiving, but it's an opportunity for you to see what a breath prayer is, pray it, and maybe kick off some other prayers of your own. And the fourth homework thing I'd love for you to do is to partner with us. We're doing something kind of fun in the month of November. Uh, We're calling it Team 431. And it's based off of the, the scripture in Acts 431. That piece of scripture says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And so what we're asking you to do is to find a time slot. We'll have 30 days, 30 days of November. There'll be two slots for each day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon or evening. And we're asking you to sign up for one of those slots and then come here to MVF and pray. We'll give you a a short list of things that you can pray through, but the thought is is to lift up our family, our body, and then also to pray for the kingdom work that our ministries are doing. You can walk the prayer path. You can sit in your car. If the building's open, you can come in and pray. But our thought is by doing this for people to come in the morning and the afternoon or evening, We'll have an hour of dedicated prayer on site every day. And so go onto the MVF app, look for Team 431, and sign up. Again, I know I feel like I've just skipped stones over the surface, but I want you just to know, if you follow these steps, it's a great way of recovering from a cynical heart to getting a prayerful heart, to seek intimacy, to trust God, to learn dependency, to pray constantly, to prioritize others, and to realize that it's going to take time. Time for you to transform, and a little bit of time of your time every day. That's how we develop relationships. Let's go ahead and pray together. Jesus, I do thank you that you are unstoppable. I thank you that you pursue us all the time. I know that myself and I know others have taken on this this lens, this viewpoint of being cynical, of questioning everything, of allowing dullness to hit our soul. And through it, we kind of have maybe this bitterness or certainly this lack of love and understanding of others. I know it's because we're not spending enough time with you in prayer. So Lord, I hope, I pray that you will help us develop that heart of prayer.
I know the more time we spend in prayer with you, the more time we, pers- and we are pursuing your kingdom and time that we just are quiet to let you speak into our lives, that we'll be growing closer to you and we'll be able to look more on the people around us the way that you look at them. Jesus, I thank you for loving us first, long before we were lovable. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.